Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Aquaman in today's statistics episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. That's right, Aquaman. It comes out... Uh, December 21st. This episode will be coming out after that. Uh, So, a lot of people have seen it already. But, I saw it earlier. I'm recording this on the 20th. I saw it in an early screening on Monday. And, I saw it in 3D. Uh, I did not realize it was going to be in 3D. It was kind of a surprise when I showed up, and that's what happened. But, it wasn't... As, up, as upsetting as I expected it to be. The 3D was reasonable. And I, I don't think it really harmed the experience in, in much much at all. Which is good. I, I'm, I'm not a proponent of 3D. I avoid it at all costs. Uh, I think I've actually intended to see a movie in 3D when I saw Avatar the first time. And I think they re-released The Lion King in 3D at one point. I went and saw that. But other than that, I I really try to avoid it whenever possible. Uh, Which, I I don't know. I I think most people feel that way. Uh, You know, you can look and see. At least from my experience, more people are flocking to the IMAXs or to the Dolby's than they are to the 3D. So, I think that's a fad that's hopefully going to die out if it's not, you know, resuscitated when Avatar 2 comes out. You know, we'll see. But today's episode is about Aquaman, uh, the newest entry into the DCEU, and it's got some buzz. Uh, It has a little bit of a buzz about it, you know. It's a movie a lot of people, I think, wrote off about a few months, a few months ago, nobody was really expecting it to uh, surprise or or perform that well. And now, all of a sudden, the reviews come out; they're positive, even marginally so. Positive is still a great thing for the DCEU, with only one fresh movie on Rotten Tomatoes prior to Aquaman, which is Wonder Woman. Uh, Aquaman is fresh for the time being, and it, you know, it's it's. The reins have been handed over to James Wan. It's not, uh, you know, mired in the dark, dreary uh, uh, DC Batman Superman stuff that we've been uh, seeing with Zack Snyder. So there was a lot of positivity about this movie, and it looked like... Uh, it could be a lot of fun. It looked like it could do really well at the box office and uh, even, you know, continue to keep the DCEU on life support uh, until, you know, maybe maybe it still dies out. Maybe this, you know, this helps it survive a little bit longer to get to another, to you know, get to Wonder Woman 2 and go from there. So, Aquaman, I saw it December 17th, 2018. It's 135 minutes long. Uh, So, it's a pretty long movie, but most of these comic book movies are. 
and it's a 2018 movie. My summary, all grown up, the titular man encounters his... Nope, wrong thing. Uh, the heir to Atlantis must challenge his brother to protect the world from war. Yeah, it's it's tropey. It's definitely tropey. The story is very straightforward. It's, it's a story we've seen a lot. Uh, it's similar in vain to Black Panther with, you know, a brother returning from quote-unquote exile to uh, fight for the throne. It is not uh, super unique from a narrative perspective. I gave it a 51. And the reasoning for that, it's the second highest rated DCEU movie that I've given a score to. The reason for that is because it's not a good movie. It's not a bad it's just a movie it's a very silly movie that kind of bucks the idea that movies are good or bad inherently you know it's it's really fascinating how just it, it prioritizes colors and neon lights and entertainment and silliness above anything and for a lot of people I think that'll be exactly what they're looking for you know I think to compare it to last year it does feel like the Jumanji of the Christmas season I think Jumanji is a better movie I thought it was a lot funnier but Aquaman is a worthy follow-up in terms of you know big dumb action fun movie type stuff it currently has a 69% on Rotten Tomatoes so fresh and it is in the DCEU. As part of the DCEU, which currently has six films in it, it feels like there's less, I'll be honest. But it does have six. Uh, Aquaman now fits in as number two, behind Wonder Woman, and ahead of Justice League. Uh, the average rating of DCEU movies is 40.83 now, up. And the total length of the DCEU is 13 hours and uh, 13.18 hours. It's getting long. It is getting long. However, let's move on to the director, James Wan. Oh my goodness, A. Uh, oh man. Hate when I have other movie titles that feature the movie title I'm talking about, within their name. Uh, Aquaman appears in the movie, or the letters in that sequence appear in the movie, Aquamania. Frustration. Uh, Anyway, James Wan. This is the sixth film of his I've seen. It increases his average film range to a 44.67. It's his only film rating in the 50s, third best movie overall, coming in behind The Conjuring and ahead of Insidious. He has a value of negative 3.5, a score of 30, and is ranked 830th overall. One spot behind Justin Kurzel, who did Macbeth, as well as Assassin's Creed. And one spot ahead of Sam Wood, who directed a lot of old movies, uh, including A Day at the Races, Kitty Foyle, which he was nominated for an Oscar for, and The Pride of the Yankees. James Wan, in the same vein as... um, Oh, what's her name? In the same vein as Patty Jenkins... Uh, is able to give Aquaman a real new feel. 
very distinct from the rest of the DC Extended Universe. It just, it, it just ruptures the fabric of Snyder's vision in a, in a brilliant, brilliant way. It, it looks amazing. The effects are pretty great, and Juan is able to take us underwater for a significant portion of this film, and it feels not the worst. You know, we saw a couple, uh, like an underwater sequence in Justice League, and I thought it was meh at best. Uh, the underwater sequences in the Aquaman are strong. You know, I, I think the 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 use of the un, like the the visuals underwater are 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 decent. They're nice. You know, it's not as some feared. You know, a year ago that the underwater sequences would all you, you couldn't talk unless there was an air around you, and like they worked that out. And some of the some of the situations are mm, not the best, but. For the most part, I, I was a fan of what the way James Wan tackled the underwater sequences. That said, there's a lot of out-of-the-water sequences for an Aquaman movie. Which, at first, I, I wished there wasn't. But on second thought, you know, I think... I, I, I really just think that you you have to have this sort of a transition... You know, he isn't the king of Atlantis. He's, you know, arriving at this throne and seat that kind of is his, but in the greater scheme of things, you know, he doesn't want. So you need to have some sort of a balance, and this movie does strike that balance well. Uh, as far as... I, I think that the... This is the direction is far and away competent. Where things really fall down is the writing. So let's get to the writing. Uh, all right, so we got Jeff Johns. Uh, you know, he's a DC writer. He's written some stuff. Uh, this is the third film of his I've seen. It, it drops his average film range to a 56.67. It's the second film in the 50s, third and worst film overall, coming in behind the animated Superman colon Unbound. He has a value of 0.5, a score of 34.5, and is ranked 992nd overall, one spot behind Andrew Bujalski, who wrote Support the Girls from this year, which is quite good. And Jeff Johns is one spot ahead of John W. Dunn, who wrote uh, a lot of the Pink Panther films, uh, a lot of animated short films. Uh, additionally, you have Will Beale. This is the second film of his I've seen. It increases his average film rate to a 38.5. It's his only film in the 50s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of Gangster Squad. He has a value of negative 1, a score of 18.25, and is ranked 4,382nd overall, one spot behind, um, let's say, Julie Murphy and Kristen Hahn, who wrote another 2018 film, Dumplin'. And Will Beale is one spot ahead of... Robert Mark Kamen, who wrote The Karate Kid, or was at least one of them. Uh, also, you have David Leslie Johnson, 
Uh, this is the third film of his I've seen. It increases his average film rating to a 33.33. It's his only film in the 50s. Best movie overall, coming in ahead of Wrath of the Titans. He has a value of negative 3, a score of 17, and is ranked 4,703rd overall, uh, which is one spot behind Robert Cannon, who also wrote some animated short films, Once Upon a Time. And David Leslie Johnson is one spot ahead of Akiva Goldsman, Oscar-winning writer for A Beautiful Mind, uh, and a bunch of other things, including Batman Forever and A Time to Kill. You also have James Wan as a credited writer on the film. This is the third film of his I've seen, increasing his average film rating to a 32.33. It's his only film in the 50s, best movie overall, coming in ahead of Insidious, colon, Chapter 2. He has a value of negative 4, a score of 15.4, and is ranked 4,909th overall. One spot behind Stephanie Meyer, Twilight, and one spot ahead of... Let's go with... Um... August Wilson, who wrote Fences, Oscar nominee for Fences. Uh, yeah, so the writing in Aquaman is pretty garbage. As I mentioned, the narrative is very straightforward. It's a plot we've heard and seen in a lot of variation with a lot of ver- in a lot of iterations over a long period of time. Uh, it doesn't reinvent the comic books formula the way that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse does. It, you know, it, there's nothing special about Aquaman that isn't also equally as special about, uh, like, a Black Panther or a Captain America or whoever else you want to compare him to. He is just a quippy, powerful guy. Uh, that's about it. Uh, you know, he doesn't have a particularly unique fighting style. Uh, he advent- At various points in the film, he does wield a trident, but basically only underwater. And it's it, there is only one element of the trident that feels unique relative to any other piece of weaponry we've seen. And I wish they'd steered further into that. The lot, The dialogue is cringeworthy it's eye-rolling it's very un it's just very bad you know it's it's when it's trying to be funny it's failing when it's trying to be introspective and deep it's also failing you know aquaman in the film is portrayed as this guy who he's lived his life on land he comes from the water. He knows this, by the way. And at the same time, you know, he's also completely oblivious, right? That's that's his character. He's incredibly oblivious to everything. What happens to him happens because of other people. He gets himself into a situation. He does things rashly and without any con- thought and consideration. Uh, he relies on his impenetrable skin and strength to bail him out at all times and excuse me for a character that is so straightforward in presentation his dialogue completely matches that and leaves you no room to just just 
you know, flesh him out and, and find new avenues and directions and angles to view him in. <clears throat> There's a... <clears throat> Uh, an element of the film that revolves around his relationship with his father and his mother, and there's decent emotional weight to that situation, but the movie doesn't seem very interested in it. It's, you know, we hear him over and over and over again say, the Atlanteans killed my mom, the Atlanteans killed my mom, why do I want to help them? They killed my mom, they killed my mom, they killed my mom. And that storyline doesn't, find resolution there's no conversation that he has with like patrick wilson or you know amber heard's character or anybody about that those events and what took place and how they affected him and affected the atlanteans and affected everybody and it just you know lacks the emotional depth that i think was available and i don't know why they wouldn't try to dive deeper into that I don't know. Uh, the writing is not good. Suffice to say. Let's move on to the performances. The performances. First up is Willem Dafoe. This is the 52nd film of his I've seen. It drops his average film rating to a 62.06. It's his sixth film rated in the 50s and 40th best movie overall, coming in behind John Carter and ahead of Saving Norman. He has a value of 20.5, a score of 80.26, and is ranked 14th overall. Willem Dafoe plays the role of Volko. He is um, an advisor to the king. Uh, king Orm, Patrick Wilson, in the present, uh, was... I be, uh, we don't get scenes of this, but was presumably an advisor to Nicole Kidman when she was uh, a queen of Atlantis. And... In flashbacks, we see that he helped train Aquaman when he was younger. Uh, Willem Dafoe, his 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 part of the story is that he and Amber Heard are working together to help Aquaman become king. That is that is their goal, and as their goal, I find it to be very. I don't know, unnecessary to have both of them, kind of? I thought Willem Dafoe did a good job. You know, he's playing a lot, a character a lot younger than he is. You know, Willem Dafoe is 63, and he does not, especially in the flashbacks, it looks weird because they've de-aged him. But even in the present, I, I think the slicked back hair and, and the wetsuit, I, I don't know if he was the right call for this one, in my opinion. But he's in it. Next up is Julie Andrews. This is her 13th film credit I've seen. It drops her average film rate to a 66.62. It's her second film rate in the 50s and 10th best movie overall, coming in behind her voice performance in Shrek Forever After and ahead of her voice performance in Shrek the Third. And in Aquaman, she is also a voice. The voice of the Karathan, which is a giant underwater sea creature that guards sensitive and precious things and i i'll be honest i didn't know it was her voice until i saw the credits uh she does i don't know how much her voice had to be modulated to to achieve the effect they give it but i didn't even know it uh so i don't really have much to comment about 
Julie Andrews. I think it's great that she was in it. Uh, but that's that's about it. Next up is John Rhys Davies. This is his 11th film credit, dropping his average film range to a 62.82. It's his only film in the 50s, eighth best movie overall, coming in behind his voice role in Cats Don't Dance and ahead of Princess Diaries 2, uh, Royal Engagement. He has a value of six. Uh, yes, six. Uh, score of 59.15 and is ranked 538th overall, one spot behind Dominic West, one spot ahead of Gunnar Lundblom. And John Rhys Davies is the voice of the Brine King. Uh, so the Underwater Kingdom uh, is, uh, they, I believe they state seven kingdoms originally with seven kings. Not all of them have existed. I believe there are only four left at this point. And you have the Brine King, King Riku, uh, King Orm, and King... I mean, there's five. Five now. Or six. I don't know. You have King Orm, Patrick Wilson, King Nereus, Dolph Lundgren, uh, King Atlan. No, he's the old king. I think there's four. Orm, Nereus, the Brine King, and King Riku. Brian King, John Rhys Davies, is uh, kind of like a grimy sea uh, shell crab brown dude. I don't know. He's uh, you, you get it when you see him. Uh, he gives the voice. I I remember when I watched it, I was pretty into. I could recognize his voice. I didn't know exactly what. Uh, he, who it was at first, uh, it took me uh, watching the credits to realize it was John Rhys Davies, but I did recognize his voice. This is, you know, Gimli, and he has a great voice, uh, gravelly for just perfect for the type of character he was playing. Next up is Nicole Kidman. This is her 35th film credit. It drops her average film rating to a 53.8. It's her seventh film rating in the 50s and 20th best movie overall, coming in behind Horror Show and head of Birth. She has a value of negative 5, a score of 48.89, and is ranked 1,476th overall. One spot behind Patrick McGee, and one spot ahead of Robert Logia. Nicole Kidman plays Atlanta. Not Atlanta, Atlanta. She is, at first, when we see her in a flashback to uh, an era gone a long time ago, when she met uh, Aquaman's father and that whole situation happened. She was uh, a princess, I believe, uh, betrothed to Mary, and she ran away uh, and found Aquaman's father, and the rest, as they say, is history. Her fight scene in this flashback, she has a great Warner fight scene that I loved. That was my favorite action sequence. Maybe, maybe. Uh, it's one of the two. Uh, I'll get to the other one when we talk about Amber Heard. One of my favorite action sequences in the movie was Nicole Kidman's Warner within the lighthouse. I thought she was fantastic, and I thought the camera work in that was fantastic. As Atlanta, uh, Nicole Kidman is good. She really does look and feel like an Atlantean in a way that Willem Dafoe doesn't quite. And uh, I totally bought Nicole Kidman as Queen Atlanta. 
Next up is Graham McTavish. This is his ninth film credit, dropping his average film rating to a 55.44. It's his second film in the 50s, fifth best movie overall, coming in behind a secretariat and head of Rambo. That's the old Rambo movie. Uh, his value of zero, a score of 45.36, and is ranked 1,890th overall. Uh, he's one spot behind Natalie Morales and one spot ahead of Um Puri. Graham McTavish is uh, King Atlan. So King Atlan is the previous original king uh, from when Atlantis was submerged. And he is... I mean, he's dead. He, he died long ago. Uh, and... It was his foolhardy ambition that led to the sinking of Atlantis, which is explained and you know shown in the film. Uh, but he, you know, I think Graham McTavish has the perfect amount of you know clout as a name and as an actor and as a recognizable face. You know, he's just recognizable enough. You know, you know, you've seen him in stuff. Maybe it's, uh, I believe he's an Outlander the TV show, and he's been in some other stuff, but he's not a household name, and I think that fits perfectly in the role of King Atlan. Next up is Tamuera Morrison. Tamuera Morrison? Tamuera Morrison. Uh, this is his ninth film credit, dropping his average film rating to a 52.11. It is his fifth best movie overall, only film rating in the 50s, and one's uh, just behind Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones and ahead of Six Days, Seven Nights. Uh, he's got a value of zero, a score of 42.64, and is ranked 2,255th overall, one spot behind Robert Ryan, one spot ahead of George Caloris. Uh, Tamuera Morrison plays the role of Tom Curry. He is Aquaman's father, and is a lighthouse keeper, and the He's fine. Uh, I really didn't like him in the flashback. I thought he was he was de-aged in the flashback. I thought he did a lot better as the older variation of himself in the present day scenes he was in. But I, you know, I could totally take him or leave him in this entire movie. Uh, next up is Patrick Wilson. This is his twenty-first film credit, increasing his average film rating to a forty-nine point eight one. It is his second film, rated in the fifties, and eleventh best movie overall, coming in behind Lakeview Terrace and head of the Phantom of the Opera. He has a value of negative 6.5, a score of 38.98, and is ranked 2,781st overall. One spot behind uh, Will Poulter and one spot ahead of Jeremy Irons. Patrick Wilson plays King Orm. He is Jason Momoa's half-brother. Younger half-brother. Patrick Wilson is six years older than Jason Momoa in real life. Uh, but is his younger brother in the film? Uh, he he does feel like an Atlantean king. He plays that role. Uh, you know, I'm not always a fan of Patrick Wilson. I think he's done some good stuff, but more of his, most of his commercial appearances in films, more of his like blockbustery stuff, I haven't been a fan of. This is really good. I really enjoyed him as King Orm. You know, I don't know if we'll see him again or not, but. I don't know if there's any hope for his character. He's pretty bloodthirsty, you know, hawkish, war 
crazed guy. Uh, but I, I liked it. I thought he did a good job portraying that. It's not particularly layered that off that much, but what makes him an, an uh, a decent villain is that you can sympathize with his um, point of view, and and not and not all of it, obviously, but some of it, and and mostly the idea of. I've been the king here. I never left Atlantis. You did. Talking to Jason Momoa's character, Aquaman. You know, he has a point, you know. You have you don't even you're not even from here. You've never been here. How do you think you can, you know, just kind of waltz in here and be king? Like you're not ready, you're not this is ridiculous. And I get that, and I think that makes sense. And the rest of it, yeah. But that part I I buy. And I thought Patrick Wilson did strong, did strong, did well. Next up is Jiman Hounsu. Uh, this is the twentieth film of his I've seen. It increases his average film rating to a forty-seven point seven. It's his third film rating in the fifties and tenth best movie overall, coming in behind I Am Heath Ledger and ahead of Constantine. Constantine. He has a value of negative 4.5, a score of 38.86, and is ranked 2,789th overall. One spot behind uh, Sterling K. Brown, and one spot ahead of Anna Maria Marinca. Marinka, Marinka. Uh, Jimin Hounsu is the voice of King Riku. He is so we have Patrick Wilson as King Orm, Julie Rist, John Rhys Davis as Brian King, and Jimin Hounsu as King Riku. That's three now. Uh, if you've seen in the trailers the blue guys, uh, they're called the Fishermen, and Jimin Hounsu is the voice of their king. Pretty small role, that's all. Next up is Randall Park. This is his 18th film credit, increasing his average film rating to a 46.72. It is his second film rated in, seventh film rated in the 50s and seventh best movie overall, coming in behind The Meddler and ahead of They Came Together. He has a value of negative 7.5. A score of 34.55 and is ranked 3,310th overall. One spot behind John Franchi. And one spot ahead of Victor McLagan. Randall Park plays the role of Dr. Stephen Shin. I don't know if that's a name in the comic books. Uh, he does seem to be a bigger character than the movie lets on. And... Primarily, he is shown on TV and uh, in the news basically saying there's Atlantis, there's Aquaman, there's this thing, there's that thing, and uh, no one really buys it. But he is a doctor, and he knows what he's talking about, obviously. I don't know if we'll see him again or not. I guess I could be okay with that. Um, maybe. I don't know. I, you know, you don't really... Just a taste of his character, so I'm, I'm not really sure what more there is to him. Next up is Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. This is his fourth film credit I've seen. It drops his average film rating to a 51.25. It's his second film in the 50s. Third best movie overall, coming in behind The Greatest Showman and ahead of Baywatch. He has a value of zero, a score of 34.17, and is ranked 3,361st overall, one spot behind Christian McKay. One spot ahead of Faison Love. Uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II is uh, Manta, or Black Manta. 
Uh, he is a seafaring pirate who we see early on in the film. He's one of the open. He's one of the bad guys in the opening sequence. He later becomes a more substantial threat as the film proceeds. But I just did not want. I, I didn't want this character in the movie. That is kind of where I was at. I, I thought he distracted from the real plot of the movie. I, I thought his involvement was completely completely unnecessary. The pivotal narrative things he does could easily have been done by anyone else uh, from Atlantis or, you know, any other bad guy. And I probably would have preferred that. If you... If you want him to be his own villain, like make him give him his own movie, which maybe they will, but yeah, I wasn't a fan. Next up is Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren, this is his 11th film credit, increasing his average scoring to a 46.64. It's his second film in the 50s and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind Creed 2 and head of The Expendables 2. Uh, he has a value of negative 5.5, a score of 33.96, and is ranked 3,383rd overall. One spot behind Stocking, Stockard Channing, and one spot ahead of James Faulkner. Dolph Lundgren is the fourth king, King Nereus. Had no idea Dolph was in this movie. He uh, is Amber Heard's father, and he has red flecks uh, in his hair. Yes, his hair is like red and blonde. It's weird. It's really weird. I, I thought he was fine, but it's it just such a weird image to see Dolph Lundgren with obviously dyed red hair. Uh, it's very strange. Odd odd casting decision. After Dolph, Lund Dolph Lundgren, there is his daughter Amber Heard in the movie. Uh, this is her 15th film credit that I've seen. It increases her average film rating to 43.53. It is her second film, rated in the 50s, and 6th best movie overall, coming in behind Magic Mike XXL, and ahead of Drive Angry. She has a value of negative 9.5, a score of 28.91, and is ranked 3,864th overall. One spot behind Ian Grifford, and one spot ahead of Jamie Campbell Bauer. Uh, she has... Uh, she plays Mira. She is the second, the main supporting character in the movie, behind... Uh, you know, on par with Patrick Wilson, pretty much, uh, maybe even ahead of that. And she was good. I really liked Amber Heard in this. She looked like Ariel with the red hair, which didn't bother me at all. I thought her costume design and, and uh, her outfits were fantastic. I thought she was suitably a badass. I mentioned that she had one of the better action sequences. Uh, they're in Italy at one point, and she is running on the roofs of buildings. And I love, there's this moment, one of the guys chasing her falls into the building. And after that, he's busting through walls after her from below. And there's a point where we're following him, we're following him, we're following him. And then the camera jukes out of a window and outside in an un theoretically unbroken cut until it's on the rooftops again following her. I love that that shot. I thought that was great. It kept me invested. It kept me in the moment. I enjoyed that. 
I liked Amber Heard. I thought she did good. I thought she knew what kind of movie she was in. I thought she knew she was playing the silliness. Uh, again, the script doesn't help, but I thought she did a, fan, a fantastic job in this movie. Next up is Lee Whannell. This is his 15th film credit, increasing his average for Wayne to a 40.8. It's his only film in the 50s, fifth best movie overall, coming in behind The Mule. Uh, this is not the new version movie. I don't even know what version of The Mule that is. Um, doesn't. Oh, it's, this is from the 2014 film, uh, The Mule. Not the uh, Clint Eastwood one. One spot behind the mule and right ahead of Cooties. He has a value of negative 12, a score of 24, and is ranked 4,244th overall. One spot behind Matthew Riss, and one spot at Reese, and one spot ahead of John Stewart. That John Stewart. Lee Winnell is a cargo uh, pilot. That's it. Next up is Jason Momoa, finally. This is his seventh film credit, increasing his average film range to a 30. It is his only film in the 50s and second best movie overall, coming in behind The Bad Batch and ahead of Justice League. He has a value of negative 8.5, a score of 14.83, and is ranked 4,635th overall. One spot behind Jennifer Lopez, one spot ahead of Chuck Norris. And he plays Aquaman, Arthur, whatever you want to call him. Uh... Yeah, he's fine. I don't know. He was fine. I, I thought he doesn't have the charisma of a of someone like The Rock. Uh, unfortunately, I, I wanted more from him. Uh, I thought he was pretty lackluster. You know, I thought he was more exciting in Justice League than in this. In but the difference being in Justice League, he's not. You know, one of the main, main characters. He gets a fraction of the screen time, so maybe that's why. I don't know. But it felt like a lot of Momoa, and I didn't... Mm, I wasn't feeling it. He was fine. It wasn't a bad thing. He wasn't bad. It didn't make me feel worse, but... Wasn't helping. Didn't help out. Uh, those are the actors. Those are the actors. Uh, genre is as a movie rated 51 from the 2018. It is an action movie, raising their rating to 49.68. An adventure movie, raising that to 50.9. It is a fantasy, raising that to 51.66. And it is sci-fi, raising that to 50.64. Oh, nope, it dropped fantasy to 51.66. My mistake. It's, I believe, a 3 on the Bechdel test. I think there's a conversation. Uh, it's, I won't say it without spoiling, uh, but... Um, I won't say it because it's a spoiler, but I believe there's a conversation between Amber Heard and another female, named female in the movie, and it's P13. No Academy Awards. I don't think it's getting any. It missed the visual effects shortlist, and that was probably its strongest aspects. Uh, no Circle Film Award nominations. Uh, moving on to the year, one of the 294 films I've seen released in 2018, one of the 1,743 films I've seen in 2018, increases the average rating to 44.44. It, uh, it's the 63rd action movie, 47th adventure movie, 37th fantasy, and 47th sci-fi. That ties the record of 47 sci-fi movies uh, that I've seen in a single year with 2017. 
Ooh, hold on. Some formulas not working out because of reasons. As a neither good nor bad film, the ratio of good to bad films for 2018 will remain the same at 0.57. As a three on the Bechdel test, part of 54.27% uh, that have that rating. And it's the 79th film uh, from 2018 that's got, that I've seen with a PG-13 MPAAA rating. With the score of 51, it is the 105th film to have that score. Uh, looking at other films from this year, you have To All the Boys I've Loved Before, Reversing Row, A Simple Favor, and Christopher Robin. Uh, if we go back to 2017, the films that have the same score at the moment are... Jerry before Seinfeld, Beach Rats, Thank You for Your Service, Izzy Gets the Fuck Across Town, Extinguished, Lev, Edith plus Edie, Edith plus Eddie, and Harry Potter colon A History of Magic. Uh, some, some documentaries, some short films, a smorgasbord. That's it, though, for Mr. Aquaman. Uh, that's that's all that's all there is for the movie. I'm uh, still looking forward to Wonder Woman two, and you know I'm interested in like the Gotham City Sirens movies uh, and things like that. But I don't know if we're gonna see a just, another Justice League. I don't know if we're gonna see another Aquaman. I'm not. Those aren't exactly on my on my radar as exciting. So. Uh, yeah, again, I, I think this is a stopgap. I think this, you know, gives fans and studios a little bit more uh, faith in in that things outside of Wonder Woman can be successful for this franchise, but that remains to be seen. So that's Aquaman. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I do appreciate it. It means a lot. If you would like to check out more episodes, you want to check out the Circle of Film Awards for 2018 and previous years, you can head over to circleoffilm.com for all that and more. If you would like to get in touch with me in any way, shape, or form, there's Twitter, at Circle of Film. There's Letterboxd, username Circle of Film. Uh, there's email, circleoffilm at gmail.com. Appreciate any and all comments you want news mail whatever and if you'd like to support the show uh for as little as eight cents um an episode you can do that on patreon.com slash circle of film thank you one more time and as always have a week so long farewell i'll be the same good night i know she'll never leave me even as she fades from Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, oh, what I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.